0: Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, the pieces of the puzzle.
1: Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson with my good friend, Pete Wright, and get ready to talk about your favorite jigsaw puzzle.
0: I got an email from a friend who is going through the process. I guess you could say she's finished with the process, and I, I asked her, "How are you doing?"
1: I said, "From an emotional thinking, level." How are you doing?
0: Yeah, but but you know, I don't even know that that was. <laughs> what I was intending. I said, hey, how are you doing? And boy, did she tell me. And she told me all about the, oh. yeah, the, the last year that has led up to this moment last Wednesday where she sat through. Let me pause you for a minute.
1: When you said like, yeah, hey, how are you doing? Where everyone usually says, I'm fine. Yeah. And that's what you were expecting. But she actually answered your question she she did because she's lovely
0: and uh, and super authentic that way and I it's on me I should have known and I got the answer and it ended in uh last Wednesday we sat through 9 and 3 quarters hours of uh mediation and made I finally signed on the line that is dotted and I was awarded the house so the kids stay in the neighborhood and like it was just all of the things that she got out of this and she said I think it's all making sense now, (laughs) which like here she's at the very end of the process. And the punchline is today. It all makes sense. Right. Right. Is that does that warm your heart a little bit as a
1: or break it both? And the reason for that (laughs) is what she described to you is exactly what we're going to discuss today. At the end, all the puzzle pieces were put together and she saw the picture. There's two things about. The analogy of a jigsaw puzzle that I'd like to use because it just makes sense. I'm going to start at the end. Okay. And then we're going to go back to the beginning. And the end is where you really don't want to be unless you absolutely have to get there, and that's in a trial. Okay, So when I'm going to court and I'm sitting there about to present my case... And I'm doing an opening statement where I'm telling the judge, this is what I believe the evidence will show you. And therefore, this is really the only conclusion you can come to. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do that with the metaphor of a jigsaw puzzle because there isn't one piece that tips the scales in these types of cases. There isn't that smoking gun document that you see in the movies. It's, You put together slowly, methodically in trial what's called your evidence, and it's one piece of the puzzle. It's one piece of the puzzle, and you fill it in, and by doing that, you're laying the picture for the judge on what you believe the outcome should be, what the picture should look like. What is the parenting plan? What's the time sharing, what people think of as custody and visitation? How are we going to divide the assets? That's going to be a part of the picture. What if any alimony is going to be paid? That's going to come in by, well, this was how much they were earning, or this is their incomes, or this is what they were spending. You just build it piece by piece, methodically and slowly, and at the end, you figure out what the child support Mm -hmm. is going to be, and then anything else, how much for attorney's fees and costs. Now, it's all based upon the law. And you have to tie it into the law, but that's kind of like the borders, right? Yeah. We're, we're confined with the borders of the law. And within it, here's the picture and how it should come out.
0: I, I'd like to take a stab real quick at breaking your metaphor, can I?
1: Yeah, go ahead. And we can mix metaphors, all sorts of crazy stuff.
0: Let's do it. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So I feel like you, from your perspective, it's a jigsaw puzzle and all the pieces will eventually fit together. When I put myself into the shoes of my friend, what I see is a jigsaw puzzle where all of the pieces are not just of different shapes, but of different scales. Like some of the pieces are giant and some of the pieces are very, very small. And when you think back to a year ago or two years ago when this whole process started, how how could you, like, there are things that from the perspective of somebody going through a divorce, these pieces will never fit together. In this puzzle, they're terrifying. They weigh too much. I can't move them. And I'm, I'm breaking my back trying to see a world in which this thing will eventually make sense. Uh,
1: it, it, right? You're not breaking it at all. That's exactly what they're doing. They've just taken this box of puzzle pieces and they've dumped it out. And they have no idea what the picture is going to look like. You can look at it as if they're doing it from the backside of the puzzle, Mm -hmm. and how does it all fit together? Some of these pieces don't even look like they belong here. I don't understand how this works. Is this thing that's happening to me a big issue, a big puzzle piece or not? It feels big, but in the scope of this divorce, is this big? Is my lawyer going to say it's big? Is the judge going to say it's big? How does this all fit together? And it is so overwhelming, right to people that sometimes they just freeze they they literally just freeze like oh my I can't deal uh, i i can't even flip the pieces over right to figure out what colors go with what where are the borders oh my god i found a corner that's
0: great why is this one all black and making a sucking sound like i i it's- don't <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't know how to do this, and so I'm cur, I, you know, I'm I'm curious first how you want to walk through this process where we start assigning, you know, things and anxieties and fears to specific puzzle pieces. But what I love about it, and what I want to make sure I get out out of my head up front, is that it's still a puzzle for you, and you're the divorce attorney.
1: Yes. That's, that's a warming feeling. It's still a puzzle for everybody. I think you've touched on a great point. The reason it is a puzzle for me at the very beginning is I don't know all the pieces. Mm-hmm. When someone first calls me and if they just said, how much alimony am I going to get? You can't answer that question. Can't answer it. That's like saying, "Hmm, Seth, bake me a cake. How's it going to taste? what ingredients am I putting in? You don't know until you start gathering the information, Mm -hmm. which we talked about early on. What kind of information, okay? So when it's a puzzle to me, because one, I don't know all the pieces yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know even what are the issues you might tell me all this stuff about parenting and you're saying, I just want half the time with my kids and split holidays evenly. And you're like, oh my God, we're going to fight and fight and fight. You know, this person's not going to give me 50, 50 on the other side. And then I call up the other lawyer and I'm like, well, you know, what's your client thinking about parenting? They say 50, 50, boom, big puzzle piece done. Right. Right. So you might not have to worry about that puzzle piece. If, If you don't have kids, that's not even part of the puzzle. So it's a, it's a mystery to me still on what are the real issues, how far apart are we on those issues, people will say, we're going to have a huge fight over alimony, let's say. I'm like, okay, let's define huge fight. Are we talking the difference between $1,000 a month and $1,500, or are we talking the difference between no alimony and $20,000?
0: Right
1: like a month. What, what are we arguing about? And, and
0: not knowing the answer to that from the perspective of somebody about to go through the divorce, that's what makes the puzzle piece so big
1: and overwhelming. Right. And you're going to assume the worst. Of course. And that assumption drives so much anxiety and so much fear when we should slow down and focus on I am okay Today. Right. People spend a lot of time saying, I'm so worried about the future, which I get we're talking about your future. I'm not discounting that. But for today, the bills are getting paid.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Or let's say some of the bills aren't getting paid. Are we still okay? We understand that you're, you know, someone's trying to control the money. But for today, are we okay? And if not, how do we get to quote okay? What are the steps? What is the process of putting this puzzle together? I'm, I'm really curious how you approach that, right? Because if I'm, if
0: we've talked at length about how you don't want to be my friend and how I'm not paying you to be my friend. And yet at some point, in order for you, I'm hypothesizing here, in order for you to do your best work for me, you have to. You have to get me to the point that I can be rational in a state of overwhelm, that I can be adaptable to, to change and willing to sort of go the, go the extra mile to give you what you need to make my life to, to solve
1: this puzzle for me. How, how do you start with that? Well, you, just because I'm not your friend doesn't mean that we don't trust each other or that you don't trust me or that mm-hmm. you don't believe in my advice and counsel. You might not be friends with your doctor, but when they say this is what you need, you're either going to have that trust in yeah. them or not, right? right? Now, in an emotional practice area such as family law, that trust in making sure that you feel like you're being heard is vitally important. So here are some things you can do to make sure you're being heard. You can ask your lawyer, and I do this frequently with clients, You can say, can you repeat back what I just said? Or I'll say, someone will tell me something. I'll say, let me repeat this back to make sure I'm understanding what you're telling me. No different than when you go to a restaurant and you order food and the waiter or waitress repeats back your order. Sure. It's the same concept of communication. Right. So that's one thing. The other thing that you might want to consider doing is when your lawyer explains something to you, you can say, I'm going to repeat that back to make sure I understand it. I almost quiz my clients on Florida family law or what did I just tell you? Because that way I know whether they understood and were communicating. Because especially in times of COVID, when you're working from home and maybe I'm doing a Zoom consultation and they're in the room, there's no kids around but their friend walks by and they get distracted or the dog does something funny and they get distracted. And maybe that was the important point that I was trying to get across in answering their question. And they kind of nodded and I thought it was okay. But having clarity on the issue or what other information we need, what other puzzle pieces do we need to get closer to resolving the issue what mm-hmm. are the next steps? Are we looking for the borders? Are the borders complete? Are we just dividing up the puzzles and getting different colors in areas or shapes or how are we doing that? So to always be double checking on where are you in the process? And I don't mean how far away from mediation or trial. What do you need to get your lawyer? How do you give it to your lawyer? Those mm-hmm. are all little puzzle pieces that your lawyer's gonna need and you're gonna need to calm down the anxiety. So let me give you an example. Please. Literally a hurricane slash tropical storm just came through Florida, Tampa, right where I live. Scary. Scary stuff. Florida, kind of used to them. We know how to do these. You know, it is frequent that a hurricane will come through on some sort of day when some child is going from one parent's house to the other parent's house. And now, a parent, and they're going through a divorce. It's just temporary agreement. It's not in writing anywhere on what happens, or maybe it is. And then one parent says, I'm not, I'm not driving. You're 40 minutes away. I'm not gonna drive, you know, an hour and a half, in essence, 40 minutes there, 45 minutes there, and 45 minutes back to do this exchange during a hurricane. Yeah, Right. That's, it only seems to make sense. It would only seem to make sense, but for the fact that that parent will use any excuse not to do an exchange. And so this is kind of like the camel that broke the uh, the straw that the broke straw, the camel's yeah. back. like really, now it's another excuse. and the it this now the other side's like, no, the storm is two hundred miles away. They haven't closed the roads yet. It's fine. I live in a safer house than you live in because that old oak tree that I told you that we should have cut down years ago is still (laughs) hanging over the house. So let's get her over here. There are situations
0: in which it could be a good excuse that, you know, you don't actually go out in the car in the hurricane, but this might not be one. And it it seems like low-hanging fruit.
1: Right, but I started with, oh, look, the person doesn't want to drive. And you're like, oh, that's perfectly reasonable. And then I took the other side and like, oh, but here's all these other reasons. What I did there was add more pieces to the puzzle yeah, to have you come to a different conclusion. Then you're like, oh, wait a minute. The storm's 200 miles away. The roads are still open. There's this tree. Maybe it is safer to exchange the child. Let's say that child doesn't come to you that night you'll be worried, you'll be scared, you're always concerned about your relatives, you always think the worst, okay? But at the same time, that might not be the thing to get so riled up about. Sure. Right? Okay, can I do FaceTime this night? Let's make sure. I want to make sure that she's okay. So you can have some communication or let her know if she wakes up in the middle of the night. It depends on how old the child is too. But if they wake up in the middle of the night and they want to text me, you know, I'll probably be up. Like, we can... Do, like, can you have her call me first thing in the morning or text in the morning when the storm is passed? Or there's things like that that can help lower the anxiety level. And not with this past hurricane, but in previous hurricanes, I know colleagues of mine, we've got flooded with calls. That's really a bad term with a hurricane, flooded with calls. Oh, yeah. That...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but literally, they're not yeah. bringing the kids. The court... So you call your lawyer. You want your lawyer to do something. There's almost nothing I'm going to be able to do. I'm not going to be able to race into court and say, judge, we're going to do this exchange. You're going to have to learn to adapt and adjust. Let's make a note of it. Maybe we show that puzzle piece later about he was just taking more time. We're asking for a makeup day, but to just lower the anxiety.
0: You said earlier we were talking about trust and trusting your lawyer. Just because you're not friends, it doesn't mean you don't trust them. Is there such a thing as increasing trust or assumption of goodwill between two people once they get into the divorce process? Yeah. I'm assuming there's a lot of angst and animosity that leads to the divorce, but everything you're telling me here is... I need to be able to assume goodwill just to get the puzzle put together. I need to be able to trust that we soon to be former spouses are going to do the right thing by each other and by our family so that I can get this puzzle put together and get to the other side of it. it, That that seems to be important
1: guidance right now. There are people listening to you right now, Pete, thinking not a chance in hell, right? Not a chance in hell. So there's a couple things here. One, you can discount motive. So when I'm settling a case and making an offer, people say, well, what do you think they're thinking? Why do you think you're doing this? I'm like, I don't care. What I care about is getting the ultimate outcome in your case that we want, that you think is best for your kids or best for you financially or whatever the case may be. And if it's a deal that works for you, you don't care if they're in the yeah. other room flipping a coin saying, heads, I'm going to make this offer, tails, I'm going to make this offer. And so many people and their emotions are so heightened right. that sometimes people will act, as Laura Gallagher told us, against their best interest. So then someone says, why are they doing this? I said, why are we trying to put a rational reason to an irrational problem? Right, right. If you're dealing with someone with mental illness, it's very difficult to come up with a rational reason to help that person through whatever they're dealing with. Because their mind is elsewhere. Right. Think of any teenage daughter you've ever had. All of them. Right. (laughs) Right? Even the boys. right? Right? You're trying to put a rational solution to what you know is an irrational problem, but in their mind, it's perfectly rational. Dad, you don't know anything. Sure. So let's discount motive and just deal with the issue at hand because their motive might be, I just want to piss off my spouse. Yeah. I don't really care about having more time with the children. I know this is going to hurt her. I just want to piss him off. And so I'm going to swipe that credit card again because I know it dings on his phone. And I know that he's out on a date with somebody else right now. Discount motive. Let's just deal with the problem. Let's work the problem. The other thing is lower your expectations. As in? You, you have to expect that your spouse, every time they talk to you or text you, is going to say mean things. And when they do, it's water off a duck's back. Like I've heard it all before. Let me just solve this problem. Yeah. Stay it's focused. It's why we're getting a divorce. Or, right. It's not news. The fact that you can never say anything nice to me, you yeah. are going to do that. So back to that puzzle that you are kind of yeah playing with a little bit there is you have to not, you can discount their motive when you're trying to put all these puzzle pieces together or you can Mm -hmm. give them the benefit of the doubt and say, this is just the way he is. I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. I don't think he's trying to hurt me. He just doesn't understand. Okay. Or another option is just lower your expectations. It doesn't really impact you, right? Or maybe think they're trying to help. They're just not good at it. They're trying to like be a dad now and they never have been before. They just don't know how to do it. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: I had a I had a, a very uh good friend and colleague who used to say in times of overwhelm, emotional overwhelm, stop. Let's just try to live for a minute in fact and truth. Right? Your power in any given situation Ends with your skin. Your power ends with your skin. It ends in what you can touch. It ends in what you can immediately control. It doesn't end in the stories that we imagine about our former spouse. It doesn't end in, like you say, their motive. We can't do anything about what they're thinking. We can't do it. All we can do
1: is respond to what is in front of us fact and truth. You said a key word is respond. I don't react. Because reactions without thought, responding is with thought. It's a choice. How am I going to respond to this? Back to the premise of this podcast about the relationship. What we're really talking about now, when you're going through and figuring out all these puzzles and how you're going to respond, we're talking about the relationship with yourself. Do you want to do things differently in getting through this process? So many times. When I'm talking to a potential client, they want to tell me about their spouse. I will work hard to explain the process, the substance of law, because I have information they need whether they hire me or not, and that's how I approach every potential client. I am not there to sell them on my services. Mm -hmm. I'm there to provide them with information whether they hire me or not. When I do that, I then have them focus on them and their goals and how we can potentially accomplish those goals. And if they give me goals that I know in our puzzle are outside those borders, outside the law, I will say that's not something I can get you in court, in the law, unless you and your spouse agree to it. Mm -hmm. So by example, in Florida, there's no requirement for a parent to pay for an adult child's education. College education. Now you can agree to do that. And that's now a contract that will be enforced by the court. But if they say, all I want is him to pay for all their college educations, unless he agrees, I'm not getting that for you. That's outside of our borders. Right. I really think it's important to think about what your goals are. So, for example, in Florida, we have like 20 different factors that the court looks at things that the court looks at in determining what's best for the children. I will have my clients go through every factor and write out what they do well and what they do poorly, what the other side does well and the other side does poorly. And if I go through all 20 factors and there isn't one positive thing you're saying about your spouse in parenting, there's gonna be an issue. I can't recall a case where there wasn't one thing that a parent did well. There might have been 19 other things that were so horrible, it doesn't matter that they did well on that one thing. Yeah, right, right. It, that one thing might, might be, I know that he loves the children. But then you have, and he's a total, he, an, he suffers from alcoholism, and he cannot care for himself nor them. But let me tell you, in the few moments when he's sober, He loves him to death. Yeah. Right. That's That's, where it just outweighs it. That puzzle piece is bigger. That picture is going to come into play bigger than he loves him. That's going to be a little heart in the corner.
0: I told you about my friend who said on the last day of everything she signs and she says starts making sense what's your experience working with clients at what point does the shape of the puzzle
1: start to come together each client is different the more of the pieces that are put together obviously it makes more sense so once we kind of go through the factors and we go through a parenting plan and we start saying hey this is where the kids will go back and forth when you start going through what are the list of assets and debts and we start figuring out how those might get divided. That might be, hey, I'm going to talk to a mortgage broker and see whether I can afford this house if I have an alimony range of this amount. Because you just don't know. You haven't applied for a mortgage on your own to, to refinance this house. What does that look like? What does that look like depending on who takes what debts? That starts helping the process take shape, helping that puzzle come together. I will tell you that the biggest difference I see in clients is once a marital settlement agreement is signed. There's a lot of weight that's lifted off of your shoulders, right? Just exhale. And then usually a year after you're divorced. A year after? That people are back to being themselves. And I've talked to psychologists about this. And marriage counselors, they say, don't get into a serious relationship until you're actually divorced for one year. Did you, did
0: you ever see any high school movie about rebounds? Exactly. Yeah, come how on, many can you
1: name right now? Yeah, you, you can come name a bunch. <laughs> on. I, it's just too much. I was actually just thinking about my historical relationships and thought, yeah, I didn't oh, really good. follow that rule, <laughs> you know. And I was explaining to my son, Kai, in the land of COVID, about how like you say, Pete, a cobbler's son never has new shoes. Yeah, I told him, there are a couple things that mommy and I have decided that are 100% the advice I would give to a client. And he, of course, is 16. It's like, oh, what is that? And I said, well, you know, we're in COVID and we decided to go to a one-week-on, one-week-off schedule. You're 16, that's a typical schedule for high school kids. And But I jump up and down and tell my clients, it's your decision but it's really best to do the exchange on a Friday night or a Monday. Oh, no. So you have the full weekend. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. Sunday afternoon. Sometime in yeah. Sunday <laughs> is when Kai goes back and forth. <laughs> you know? I feel it's, like I have been quizzed
0: and embarrassed by this, by you, Yeah. on that very yeah. point, Yeah, Exactly. Seth?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but the right. ultimate point to save yeah. this And and not realize that I'm not just taking my advice. My advice, always underlying advice, is whatever works for you and your family in the least amount of conflict as possible. But of course, when I tell Kai this story, he goes, huh, maybe Friday or Monday is a better exchange day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I'm about to get in trouble with your mom. Smart kid, smart kid. I just want people today to just realize that it is a step-by-step process. That's the metaphor for these puzzle pieces. Not any one thing is going to be so impactful that it is going to change the entire landscape of your divorce proceeding. There are some that will be bigger than others. It's very, very rare that there is the smoking gun document that changes Mm -hmm. everything. It might change dividing up assets and equitable distribution. It might be oh, this wasn't really a loan, it was a gift, and that's a big number, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I know at the beginning I said, look, I'm gonna start at the end where we don't wanna be in trial. Yeah. So many people get hung up on 50-50 on either parenting or money or allocation of debt or alimony or how much, like they just get so locked into this position. And if you think about your life in its entirety, and let's say you're asking for 50-50, which is what should happen. But your spouse is about to make this long drawn out trial and is it worth the money to get 50-50 when you can get 60-40? A different mm-hmm. of 10%. I'm purposely using percentages and not amount of money because amount of money means different things to different people. I'll, some people will say, oh, we don't really have that much. And I'll look at their assets and they have a net worth of $15 million but they're comparing themselves to others that have more than 15 million, where most of us would say, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. They're loaded, right? So I'm purposely not putting it in money, but as a percentage. So let's say you get 40% and the other side gets 60 and you're like, oh my God, they're getting 20% more. Well, that 10% really might not have much of an impact in your life over the length of your life. If you're early in your marriage and you're relatively young in your 30s and you're splitting up, 10 grand might feel like a ton of money or 10% might feel like a lot today. Mm -hmm. But by the time you're 60, you're not really going to notice that. Keep it in perspective. We're all very focused on the moment, which I think it's good to be focused on, hey, one day at a time, let's do this. But if you can keep that big picture of, let's not argue over the 10%, because if we argue over it, it's really only going to be 5% anyway, because the other 5% is going to the lawyers, the accountants, the legal fees, the costs, right? We're going to shrink that pie. It's better to have a bigger pie that you don't get half of than a smaller pie that you get half of.
0: I just feel like when you're looking at a spreadsheet, it's so easy to get stuck in that percentages and dollars and when you look at your stuff and you look at the things that are important to you the emotional value of those things may far outweigh the the value on a spreadsheet and so you might be getting 10% less but th- what you get if if that's the stuff that's really important to you you might be getting much much more
1: right if in your 40% it includes all the stuff that was most important to you right Right, and even the stuff that's like most important. Yeah. And this is, this is uh, different for me, and I appreciate that I might have a different perspective. I am not a pack rat. You're a stoic. You're, a, you're practically a Scandinavian stoic. <laughs> right, <laughs> I can't wait to see how you play that out over time now, Pete. <laughs> so in putting this puzzle together, just to kind of close on this thought, Is focus on yourself. Do it one day at a time. And if it's overwhelming to you, all the stuff your lawyers asking you to get you to fill in this puzzle, if you just don't have it, ask some clear questions. What do you need? Can I get you these documents a little bit at a time? Because I can only I only have enough bandwidth to deal with this three hours a week because I'm dealing with the kids on this stuff. Okay, what can you get me in three hours a week? And if it's going too slowly, what can I do as your lawyer to help you do this? I've had clients come in and sit down with my paralegal on our computer and be like, okay, let's go through it. Let's get online. Oh, I don't know my password. Let's change your password. You know, forgot password. Okay, it comes up on your phone. Hit the link. Give us the number. Boom, we change your password. Now we can download your statements for you. Mm-hmm. What can we do to help you through the process? Don't sit down with your lawyer and do that. That's too expensive. See if yeah. they have someone else in their office at a lower hourly rate to help you get that done. If you have a friend that can help you get that done. yeah, right. It doesn't have to be you sitting at your computer alone. Have, have a girlfriend come over like you talked about. Hey, maybe your girlfriend can help you find a new place and go look at an apartment when right. we were talking to Jamie. Maybe the thing is, I really need help with the computer. I'm terrible at it. My lawyer's ask me for this list of things. Do you have an hour to help me out?
0: Because that's probably all it will take, right? We'll build the puzzle piece up so that it's going to take me all weekend. It's going to take forever. But really, once you, once you solve the, the one clogging task that's right in the way of getting those statements, it will all flow.
1: The worrying is worse than the doing. It sure is. Think about it one step at a time build the puzzle. If parts are missing, talk to your lawyer about how we can fill in those pieces and that might help you just take this a little bit easier. Not anyone thinks going to be a major deal. Deep breath. It will feel like it. I appreciate that. I'm not downplaying the emotional side to this. Take a deep breath. Get the app calm. Get your iPhone watch to tell you to breathe. Just exhale. I hope that's helpful to people today. I, I'm sure we're going to get pounded with emails saying bring back black's law dictionary
0: i i was just gonna say this is a this is a controversial episode but we hope you continue listening uh, in spite of in spite of it what ultimately may, may be our undoing uh thank you very much seth nelson as always you scandinavian stoic
1: handsome prince of the north. (laughs) Oh, my God. If they Google me, they're going to be so disappointed.
0: (laughs) Uh, And thank you, everyone, for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate you and uh, the work that you are doing. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Make those puzzle pieces even smaller. We're going to take a little bit of a break uh, for a couple of weeks over the holidays, the rest of December. This is going to mark the end of our first season of How to Split a Toaster. uh, And we will be back with you Uh, early January with season two, so much good stuff planned. Until then, on behalf of Seth Nelson, I'm Pete Wright. Thanks for hanging out with us this season on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships.